Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Tom Arbuthnot, co-founder of Empowering Cloud, on the topic of unified communications and the Microsoft Teams community. And welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. Always love the cultural aspect. We always focus more on the culture than the other stuff. But hey, my my guest today is Tom Arbuthnot, and uh, we've known each other for I don't know eight a long time, nine eight years. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, but you've got it. You've got kind of a new title here, but we'll get into this. Co-founder of Empowering Cloud, also Microsoft MVP and Microsoft Certified Master. Welcome, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Christian. Great to be on the show. It's been a little while, actually, since we've done one of these. So good to I catch know. up. It's always great to have these conversations. I know that we had a, a lot. We were, uh, um, we were kind of... Uh, you know, covering the baggage before we hit record. <laughs> yep. Know, other a stuff. Off, a little off the record catch up. <laughs> Probably need to wait until we're in person to go through in some of that in more detail. But our focus today, I know, so we're following up. It's post Ignite to talk about our takeaways and also what is happening broadly within the Microsoft Teams community. There's always a lot of stuff going on. So, but Tom, first, let's talk about your new gig. So, Empowering Cloud, what's that all about? Yeah, I'm super excited. So it's obviously, uh, I spent 10 years working at an MSP, mainly enterprise customers around OCS, Link, Teams, Skype for Business. Uh, I decided at the end of the year, just gone December, that that it was time to spin up my own thing. So um, I'm wearing two hats at the moment. I'm working for an operator, Pure IP. So I do a couple of days a week with them on strategy, which is great. They're really good. Um, And then the rest of the time on my own business, Empowering Cloud. Uh, and I'm hoping you can help me here narrow the uh, narrow the pitch down. But basically, it's the idea is we're building a Teams-focused Teams and ecosystem community. So we have mm. 1,400 people on at the moment. 15-minute video briefings on key topics, not just from me, but other MVPs, uh, MCM, subject matter experts. So the idea is kind of building a library of really relevant content, um, but not the marketing story, like the real-world stuff. And, and then that's all free and sponsored back. Then I have a premium program where I'm working with Microsoft partners and a couple of end enterprises. And that's just a bit of extra help, custom content, learning paths, things like that. So the idea is the business will be sustained through sponsorship where the sponsors have been great so far and this premium content, but like the majority, like 95% of the content is out free to the community to absorb and input and answer questions. Well, I have to say that I am a huge fan of that model. I think it is, it's where things have, have are, are going and you start, you, you see some of the you know, similar type enterprises popping up across different industries. In fact, talking with my daughter, who's in the healthcare tech space, uh, talking about building a community over there specifically, like a very targeted uh, topic and, and building a community that way and, and having that freemium model and and the pro model for that uh there's just uh people seem to be you know going after that that kind of model get the majority of content you can get questions answered you can find experts you can have that you know, that community growth 
without that, that, you know, in that free version of that and then pay for those advanced services yeah that's that's it and you know I, I've, I've blogged in this space and spoken in this space for literally well over a decade now and like that's always been a side gig to doing pro services and, and did some software management stuff like that at, at partners but i'm trying to make the thing the advice the guidance the community so um, it's unashamedly uh, a business it needs to make a profit but it's i want to build a sustainable model because one of the problems with community i think is things come and go people try and do them on the side and yeah. they burn out they run out of time they run out of money uh, and i've been really lucky in terms of because i've got quite good relationships with all the ecosystem vendors had really good support and then the best thing is all the sponsors i said look you have zero input on content i'll do some extra content with you we'll do some webinars like like obviously respect the relationship but we're going to say what we're going to say about ecosystem we're going to say what we're going to say about teams and they were all totally okay with that i only had one sponsor was like yeah no we want to have more influence like well cool not not the right relationship then but yeah. everybody that's come on board has been like no just a chance of some eyeballs and to input and support it is great for us and i've been really really pleased with that well, you know, so I, I completely understand that model, too, is that, you know, as you know, I've, I've been running my tweet jams for 11 years now. And uh, and so and many of those have been, uh, you know, I've had paid sponsors through a lot of that. Now I have my dedicated you know, my company. Uh, well, we had two sponsors and then point acquired Tigraph, the other sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. that. I was an awesome know, so acquisition. Kind of, of even though they. Yeah, and they, they still operate as a separate you know company that just are owned by uh, AppPoint now, but are still yeah. both co-sponsors of that. But you know, the similar thing where I had people come in and say, "Look, you can I I, I listen to any voices as I uh, say, hey, here's the topic for the next month. Here's what we're going to discuss." And they say, "Well, it, it, sometimes I'll have sponsors like we would like this question asked." I'm like, "Sorry, you that doesn't come with your sponsorship." Yeah. Like, it's it's a neutral event. It's not skewed to any vendor. You can be on there and participate and similar in any of these community activities. I don't know how much you're enforcing like, hey, no doing product pitches and things in the yeah, community. Yeah, very, very, very tightly. We're, we're being really tight about that. It's come on, provide advice and uh, opinions. But yeah, nothing about the sponsorship is, is influence over content. Right. Um, and, and I feel like that weeds out people who back themselves in their product because people who back themselves in their product are like cool we just need to be in the conversation like we've got good stuff people will find us we can have that conversation if i find that if people want a really hard pitch i'm like do you need to pitch that hard like like just well, just show what you've got that's right well that's always the, the i think people naturally understand that the the if there's an isv participant there's a you know there's an mvp or another expert that works for an isv or or a consulting company they're selling something most people are selling something yeah that's a given but you don't need to be heavy-handed with that you just need to be in there and organically have conversations help people and they kind of find their way i would always look at it when i would go speak at events years ago uh, even before I was an MVP and people would come up and say, you know, at the end of this, like I, that was a fantastic presentation. I have no idea what your company does. And so I, I like, sometimes I would speak on back in the day, back in 2010, 2011, I was one of a handful of people that would talk about social collaboration, the social tools. So before Microsoft acquired Yammer and kind yeah. of you know built to where we are, there were very few of us that were talking about these different solutions out there and what was missing from SharePoint. And, uh, and, and people would come up, well, I'm assuming that your company builds social tools. I'm like, nope, 
<laughs> has nothing to do. It's like, well, what is, and then it just, because there was trust in my subject matter, because I was neutral talking about what's out there, I would sometimes promote competitor solutions if they had a tool I, I or think, solution. I, I think that's another real position of strength as well. I, I, we used to do that when I, back when I worked at Modality, we had a, a team's reporting product and I'd be like, look, these are the two other decent players. Like go talk to them as well. I know them. There's good people there. Like there's MVPs, all these places. So, you know, people you're like, look, like benchmark us. It's a fit or it's not. I don't want to give you something that's not a fit. What's the point, right? You, you contract and then you drop it. Like, uh, I, I think that's such a position of strength. And I see more and more, that's what we're trying to do with teams in the ecosystem is like, here are all the options. Like uh, yeah. the people that back themselves will get involved. The people that don't won't, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, I just think teams is such a, uh, a challenging space because the pace of change with Microsoft, but it's the only Microsoft product really that has such an extensive ecosystem that's absolutely required. So yeah. you've got devices, you've got recording, you've got contact center, you've got telephony, like really like most teams product, uh, most Microsoft products, there are ecosystem options, but in teams, there's sort of there's more or less a mandatory requirement. If nothing else, devices like everybody needs something to work with it. Well, you, here's a great example of that out of Ignite was I was actually surprised by it, but it again speaks to this. And I, I think that the tagline as you know the, the hub being the hub for teamwork, it really fits teams. It's so it's not just a slogan. There is the fact that uh, you know the, the announcement about the uh, the Cisco devices yeah that was a huge announcement i mean yeah. that's really interesting so so my world before i was in the microsoft space i was at a cisco partner one of the, the launch partners for call manager so mm. that was way back you know 12 years 13 years ago um and there was always a pressure from customers for cisco who were very dominant in the network the wi-fi the infrastructure and at the time the ipt uh, you know and Microsoft on the desktop to work closer together. And it was always a battleground. Yeah. Uh, and it's really exciting for customers that Cisco kind of said, look, we're going to make our devices work natively with Teams. I mean, it says something that how well Teams is doing that they're willing to do that. There's obviously a big market opportunity for them. So it's great for Teams, but I don't, I don't want to cast it down as negative for Cisco because I think it's good they're responding no. to their customers and yeah. saying, look, here's our premium devices. You can now run them with Teams if you want. Well, see, uh, my my history with Cisco goes back and uh, you know working with Cisco as a customer and also uh, as a, uh, worked on projects. Um, born and raised in the Bay Area, I was working on a project uh, with Hewlett Packard where we were integrated in with Cisco. Um, uh, you know, so worked with them for the years, and and of course with uh, the, the with WebEx um, in integration of that of the tools and Microsoft's long history in that space, and I would say not being totally successful in that space yeah. <laughs> um yeah, going back yeah. To, i'm still kind of bitter because they bought placeware which was the best you user experience it was a beautiful product back in the day and it became live meeting and it was kind of the beginning really truly the beginning of microsoft saying we're going to do unified communications and then they kind of messed it up a bit um but it, and so you it, it left uh, you know a lot of room for all the other players that are out there, and it speaks to the strength of teams for to for Cisco wanting to partner and and move 100%. forward. And, yeah, and I think there's two there's two cases that are probably moving the needle for Cisco. So Cisco run individual business units. So obviously, the devices business unit is seeing that they want to keep selling devices to these teams customers. There's a bunch of customers out there that are very happy with Cisco Room systems, but are clearly going teams. 
and either need to switch the rooms out or you know Cisco need to capitulate and put teams on them. Uh, but I think there's a, a new addressable market for Cisco where they are the, at the higher end of room systems and there's those types of customers that want to spend that kind of money on their premium and now it's an option. I can have you know, the, 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 the Cisco rooms that I want and Teams as an experience, which I think is it's good for both Microsoft and, and Cisco. Any other major announcements or anything that kind of uh, um, caused you to, to, to pause in the, the announcements? And uh... Yeah, I mean, Cisco was definitely the biggest one from an industry perspective, but there were some important ones as well. So Teams Phone Mobile, what was previously Operator Connect Mobile. So that's the ability mm -hmm. for a cell operator to give you a SIM or an eSIM that is one number for both your mobile and your team. So not forking, not SIM ringing, literally, the single number so your voicemail is teams your presence changes you use the native mobile dialer um, I, I think people are sleeping on how big that could be because you look at how many people are mobile first these days yeah. and like the, the the fixed line or the landline is it's weird we still use those terms you know the soft phone right. is secondary for psdn i mean I, i'm a teams person but i still tend to do like everything is a meeting i don't do much psdn but if I do do PSDN, half the time I reach from my mobile because I'm like, well, that's the phone I use. Right. Um, so, so I think I think it's, it's going to be a slow evolution because the telco industry hasn't moved super fast. But the ability for telcos, for mobile telcos to come into enterprise and say, look, we'll do all your mobiles and it'll be your fixed line as well, all in one, is is essentially quite quite a big move in the long term. Well, there's it's not a surprise that uh, I don't know with with. Um... But one thing I always tell that when you're working with Microsoft, like when you're working with any large you know, company, whether if you're a service provider, you're an ISV, you're a consulting company, whatever it is, some kind of VAR, um, that you, it's best to understand, certainly with Microsoft, this is true. Uh, the people that you're talking to, what are the KPIs? What are their commitments? What are they, what's driving their interest in that? And a, one of the major KPIs and for this new fiscal year, of course, Microsoft's fiscal year starts July 1st is around the uh, the telecom side. So uh, through hmm. teams, it's phone like, and rooms. Yeah, there's yeah. massive targets on phone and rooms. Right. And, and so that they're pushing all partners towards that. So you're going to see a lot more promotions there. But finally, I think there's with this, uh, you have truly a, a story that you can go to customers. There's a reason why now more and more partners should you know take this on and have an answer for it. At the very least, go and find partners that do the UC side of that and and do some kind of joint marketing, some partnership. Yeah, I, I also think mid mid market SMB SMC. Everybody has slightly different definitions, but that lower end of the market where they're probably already mobile first, it, it's just a perfect opportunity for the right partners to be like, look, we'll take your Office three six five through you know CSP program. We'll do your mobile contract. I'll bundle it all together. Uh, that because that end of the market are not buying phone systems they're, they're they're you know they're younger faster moving companies generally so there's a massive opportunity there yeah it's yeah it it's funny i kind of early in my career i was worked for the phone company so i have a telephony background one of my uh point of pride is working on the project to uh for number portability in in the u.s so the ability to keep your phone number and and uh and not us you know, is us is crazy because you've got the same number format for cell and landline like i don't 
don't know that anywhere else i'm not aware of anywhere else that has that maybe there is but like in europe we always have certain prefixes for mobile and certain prefixes for fixed line you, I, I don't, don't know, know it, in the us yeah i mean who knows i mean i haven't had a landline now in in over a decade and uh and so yeah, like some of the reasoning that's around that. But the, one of the downsides to that is that I constantly, all of my, and I know when I'm getting like spam phone calls because it's all with my old area code, which is the Seattle area. And so I know if I see those numbers come in and it's an unknown number, it's like, it's all just phishing, just yeah. spam sp junks that's coming through um, because nobody locally, because they, they see my, my phone number, they, my profile as Seattle based even though I live yeah. in Utah now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's an instant flag for you. Yeah. There's some, that's a bigger conversation for a different day, but that spam problem is it's way worse in the U S than it is in Europe, but we get it here too, to an extent, but I don't ever pick up unknown numbers nope. calls. Like if someone important, they're going to text me or leave a voicemail or like that. Right. Well, everybody that I know is really in, want to. well, that's the thing. Every, everybody that I know that I work with that I've, I've called, like I've gotten my directory it, it because of the ties in there is like, I know everybody, yeah. Who, who calls and I'm surprised sometimes that is able to differentiate that. And I, like I'm, I'm building a house in Texas right now. And so I see when I get the, the builder calls to the builder um, or my real estate agent or something like it's got the ID on there. So when it's coming up unknown, Hey, there's your first indicator. Like who yeah. does that? <laughs> yeah. Who intentionally turns that off so that it's unknown. Yeah. It's a spam call. Yeah. Well, what else is happening? What else is going on in the community? Um... Yeah, so I guess uh, like like there's just a lot a lot from Ignite that we're still kind of going over. I think the 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 kind of most groundbreaking thing that's going on in our space is really the the mesh stuff starting to become a reality. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that because there's various thoughts on this. So Ignite, we finally got um, Microsoft saying that their mesh avatars are in tab. So this is the ability to have a virtual avatar instead of the video feed essentially so it's not the full 3d world jump in the screen you know goggles thing although that's interesting as well this is kind of the first phase of it um but what, what are your thoughts on that yeah I, so it, it's funny I, I saw somebody like right after that announcement uh a microsoft person state that if i ever if i join a call and the person the other person that's on the call it's it's an avatar says i'm hanging up immediately <laughs> <laughs> so you have some of that pushback I've long been, I am a huge proponent of augmented reality solutions versus pure VR. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I, I don't really have an opinion about the avatars, that the fact that it's still utilizing your, your camera and is showing expressions and things around that, like, it doesn't bother me that, that we'll see a mixture of those things. Um, I went right out and created my avatar. doesn't really look like me. I think I need to maybe the premium features to make it look more like me. I'm waiting for like my camera to face the scan me and then digitize that. That's, so yeah. More yeah, realistic. Yeah. You know, that, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm more likely just to create something that is like a, you know, a unicorn or something just that is obviously not me and have it out there. I don't think I'll use it that much, but I, I, I don't think I, it's aimed at people like you or I who are kind of video first. And that's the right. interesting thing is like, the, 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 uh, I, I hear a lot of people talk about it and they're like, I wouldn't have that instead of video. But I'm like, no, it's, that's not the conversation. It's I wouldn't have that instead of initials in a, in a circle. Like, right. and, and I've been on meetings where I'm presenting 
and there's six people all off video and i'm like i feel like i'm presenting to a wall here guys like does anybody care like so so, so it's interesting like i've obviously seen tap now so we're starting to get to use it it, it is it's better than nothing is it like which sounds like right. a criticism but it's not it's like a step up from initials uh, and it's early days but to your point when it starts to be it can be a bit more reactive based on your movement or your vocal expression because at the moment essentially it moves its mouth while you talk which is all right and you can you can press keys to do emotes to make movement um but i think it'll get better and better but i'm surprised how quickly when i've been using it in internal calls like it's it is actually something at least you know there's a person there because we're so video first as well i don't i really struggle when nobody else is on video it feels like yeah. something's missing from the conversation well especially like i i am like the uh together mode uh experience as well and had a conversation somebody says i hate you know turning that on. i'm fine with seeing the brady bunch mixture of, of profiles up there um i said you know but i, I mean i i personally experienced the fatigue around that view and putting it in where we're sitting in a conference room or where I see like a stadium seating where I can see all kinds of faces and interaction. But again, that's something that I think that having it's better than just the initial bubbles, having some kind of reaction, you know, a movement, um, their mouth moving so that you can see besides just the light around their, their yeah. box that there's somebody's interacting or they're trying to talk it does something to the brain. It stimulates, makes that connection greater than just having the bubble around it, which is again, going to the kind of the bigger space around mesh and the, the VR and AR capabilities with all the criticism around that. Like, look, I was also not a fan of uh, as some of the early announcements, you know, SharePoint spaces. I just thought, what a waste of time. And, and uh, it, it, around, I, I love that. I love the concept that, like, obviously, you know, a, a lot of people struggle with SharePoint in terms of doing it right. And it becomes a bit of a mess and stuff. I just had this vision of like people jumping into a SharePoint world and like just endless folders and documents and try it's like a maze but it's 3d <laughs> it's right it's the, it's the minority report it's the tom cruise I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, the jokes i was making about sharepoint spaces at the time is like the it's like i'm all for having that 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 3d virtual experience with moving files the problem is i need to set up the rig so i can have a harness and be floating in midair <laughs> like tom cruise so i to have the full true experience yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, but even then, so what I would say is uh, in defense of those pure VRs, I know the mesh and having avatars is a few steps removed from a, a true VR experience, yeah. but there's something that happens when you have the goggles on and, and, you know, the, you have the glasses on and, and, and you're in that experience is your mind adjusts to that. It is. Yeah it becomes a tactile, almost like a touch experience. You adjust to that and it can be incredibly powerful to go into that environment. I, I went and looked at, I, so I was very skeptical of the technology. I was with a good friend of mine, Noah Sparks. We went up to a demo of a company that was a number of vendors in the AI uh, and, and VR space that were showing, showcasing their different technology. One yeah. of them was a pure VR learning tool 
and it was like classroom setting and their demo was amazing. It was like a human heart that was this giant model. It was beating and you could go down and walk around it and, and split it like an orthographic diagram split across the heart as it's beating, showing blood flowing in this model. And there's the teacher that was live and looking around the classroom and all the other students, Some people come down and walk around the model. I'm like, this is incredible. But one, I'm like, how realistic is this? And he said, this is available, this product, what I just showed you, this classroom setting today, it's $5 in your Steam account. You can use it and build your models very quickly. I'm like, I said, what's the catch here? He's like, well, it costs thousands of dollars to create that realistic 3D heart, you know, di the diagram for that, that component of that, but everything else you get for $5. Like yeah, they've got yeah, templates and that, and that, and that, that content will get, mainstreamed and commoditized at some point when people will come up with a bunch of asset libraries and things i think that's, right that, that the, the thing there that's key is you're getting an experience that you couldn't get in a traditional classroom so there's something it's not just the fact you could do it from anywhere it, it, it's an added experience the other thing i think is the thing that i've come to the conclusion that might be the thing about vr is it's not an everyday technology i don't think but the immersion is stopping you multitasking. And that's one of the big yeah. problems we have with all the other technologies is your phone, your email, everything else is within reach. You bang that VR headset on, you can't reach for your phone or your laptop. You're, you're fully, it's like, it's almost like going to an event, like you're fully immersed in the experience. And I think that might actually be one of the secret things about VR is if you imagine a virtual event where they do it in VR, you're either in or you're out. You can't be half in, half out. Whereas everything online, you are, at least I find I am half in, half out. Yeah. More, more out than in at the time too. <laughs> yeah, Dude, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch this later. You never watch it. <laughs> well, that's well. That's the downside to that. I mean, I love the feature in uh, you. Know, again, I promise that we wouldn't talk about this, but of uh, Microsoft's move to this the hybrid event model. One of the features that I love the most is being able to like look at on time because I'm doing my day job, but I can go and say, hey, here's all everything in the catalog. Move it into my backpack, so I go right back to what do I want to watch? What do I need to watch? And, and now I don't go back and view the majority of those things, except where I find out something through another meeting and I need to go back and do the research and listen to the session or somebody, an expert that's out there like yourself, like I love the regarding 365 team, yeah. uh, the extended team and the recommendations that come through those bloggers and, and, and video folks and get those recommendations and go back and watch those sessions. But that's it. I mean, so I, so you know, part of my job is to stay on top of the team stuff. That that's why I watched a lot of those sessions. I, I managed to get into an 18-minute briefing, everything I think is important at that at ignite about teams. And that 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 briefing on Empower and Cloud has had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of watches. And it's just like people are overwhelmed. And if, if you can give them the like sub 20 minutes, sub 15 minutes, here's what you actually need to know. No fluff, just bang, bang, bang. And and then to your point, if you're like interested in one of those things, you can then peel off and watch the session about it. Right. Um, but but it's, it's, it's always too right, much it, content is the problem. That's what it, we're crowdsourcing our information around that. It's like, I want to go and filter through, find those things. You know, if I go and watch the full length of each of those videos, will I find some other takeaways that maybe weren't pulled out in your 18 minute summary? Yeah, I'll definitely find some things which I might care about that you don't care about. But to, to, to get it down into that, you know, it helps me then again, understand where I need to go back and which, which of the 40 full length yeah. sessions. Okay. I need to go watch those three for those detail 
but I get that because of that crowdsourcing effect. That's yeah. the and, and that's what I'm hoping we're going to have with our community. I get immediate feedback on like what people care about. So we can both, because it's it's a login experience, people comment, they reply, but also we can see what people have watched. So like, like you can see certain sections of the video where they've dropped off. So people clearly aren't that interested in this and other sections where they're like, oh, I like the Cisco announcement. Like that was like the hottest part of the 18 minutes. Everybody wanted to know about that and places got a lot of interest as well so it's like really helpful for me in a kind of content creation role to be like oh those are the things that people want to know more about yeah you know i i go back to a conversation I had years ago this is probably in i don't know 2011 2012 i was i spoke at an event in helsinki uh and afterwards we went and did a, a share pint so we did kind of a, a community gathering and drinks i got into an argument with a uh, one of the attendees about uh, it was friendly, but it got a little bit heated <laughs> around, you know, the, the future of, of, of virtual and, and the AI and, and what yeah. would happen in people. And he was of the belief that, uh, that it would be beneficial to all humankind that we would be in luxury and, and that robots and, and uh, you know, AI would do all the hard work. And, and, we, and I'm just like, wow, like you don't understand human nature of who controls those things and the benefits that'll actually happen to the masses. Like, but um, no, the one takeaway from that, there was a conversation and he said, well, says, I, I think that we really need to restrict the amount of content that is view viewable that's out there. Uh, and I said, well, give me an example of that. He says, well, if I have an, a thought on, you know, a blog post of, uh, on a topic, I'll go and research first and find, okay, somebody answered that. I won't go and blog on that. And I, I had the opposite take on that. I said, your perspective, your background, your voice, the, the followers, the network that you have could be very different. You might have the same answers as what you look at as being that. I said, so more content. You, you yeah. should not self-edit yourself out there no, share no, no. your experiences your uh, recommendations it's just the way you explain it is slightly different somebody else explains it and that'll resonate with a subset of people that always amazes me it's like different people resonate with different explanations of the same thing um yeah and it, 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 it but it is a blessing and a curse isn't it because there's so much out there right like, and how do you cut where through did that? you begin but, yeah that's what i said i so my my response to that was that, that not we don't need less content we need better filters and better search mm. Yeah. And, and so much of what we, you know, our, our daily lives are impacted by um, poor filters and poor search. I, I, I'm slightly worried about the, um, the, I follow a bit of the AI stuff and there's some amazing stuff happening in that space. And one of the, the tasks it's being put to is content creation, which makes great demos. But I feel like we're on the verge of a flood of mediocre generated content because people will be like oh look i can spin up a blog and ai the content and it'll be like like and and, and uh, maybe the ai content is very impressive in some scenarios but i think when you're into our kind of niche worlds it'll be very generic and it'll be like floods of content so that filtering is going to become more important than ever i i love that concept i mean early in my career so uh, early 90s um one of the things that i worked is worked for this engineering research firm in the state of california and a lot of the reporting that we did was automated, where essentially I was taking, creating a word and, and I was creating graphs off of data within Excel. I, I actually wrote macros. This is before Microsoft, if you remember, redesigned uh, Excel and they had their proprietary macro language before they went to VB scripting and they, they 
kind of updated. Yeah, you're going back now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm old, but uh, yeah. So a lot of the reports that I would format were automatically generated. So we had a template, we had these macros, it would insert the, the based on the report, you know, the customer, the data, the graphs and all the stuff in this. And then I would publish these, these things out and distribute those, print them sometimes, distribute those, those reports. When you, a lot of the stuff, like we're talking now about the, what was SharePoint um, syntax and now the Microsoft syntax. So looking at kind of broader category around that mm. and the generation, the auto generation of AI driven content works. It's, it'll be incredible for structured collaboration environments where you have reports that are being generated, like insurance companies where there's processes, there's forms, they yep. all look the same way. Um, and uh, you'll think about like the IRS, what they're going to be able to go and, and auto generate uh, around you know, the data. I think it's fantastic. Most collaboration, the way that you and I use it day in, day out is more ad hoc. It's more unstructured than that. And so I, I think that certainly there's going to be, I'm not trying to be negative on the opportunities that are out there for syntax and what the AI can go and do, but I just don't think that it will be relevant technology for quite a few years to the majority of people yeah. in the way that we collaborate. I, I, I think I think the first step is AI taking content and summarizing it for you. So you've already got that information and it's picking out like synopsis, tagging, like sure. relevant that that's that's a creating the topics, creating it. that right. The right, yeah. the ingestion of that. It's yeah. the it's the auto creation of documents yeah on that side yeah but i feel like i feel like they blogging content creation will be the first target for those for that market because they'll be like look i can generate a blog on you know the next microsoft announcement and here it is it's like yeah but you know is it providing the value and i think that it'll be a challenge for the search engines actually to differentiate between you know quality content it might be some of the air content is quality whatever is actually useful for people versus just keyword stuffed content I, i've seen the uh, facebook ads for that uh, uh ai tool that can actually write content write blog yeah there's copy ai and jarvis it's a few of them out there yeah I, I don't know what their that content looks like uh and so sometimes i i think well it'd be great to have a tool pay for a service like that um but I've I've not you know even investigated what that would look like. How much of it is me versus you know the AI going and doing that? I have to believe that if I have a an outline that is my original thought and the things that are out there, it, it would be a lot more polished than would be just here's a couple of keywords go and create something. Yeah, the models the models are trained on existing content so that i think generally speaking I've, I've had a little bit of a play and i've seen some demos and stuff it's like if you're talking on a very broad topic like like they, you write me an article on motivational tips like it's so there's so much content out there it's so trained and it's so generic they can do a really job of making like an article that's readable that sounds good but if you're like you know give me an article on sharepoint syntax it'll be like well it'll pick up you know maybe a microsoft press release and regurgitate it's not there, there isn't you know there isn't enough content and it's so niche that it's it will struggle with that so yeah i think i think we're safe for a while at the conclusion i'm drawing but everybody says that about their own area don't they <laughs> yeah well so tom just to, to wrap up i i know that it, people are going to be interested in finding out more about empowering cloud so where do they find out more or how do they get involved 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so just, just head over to empowering.cloud. Uh, you can sign in with your LinkedIn account or you can sign up with an email. Uh, the, the community bit is completely free forever, sponsor back. So you can just come in, start getting involved in the community, watch some briefings, watch the Ignite briefing. Um, and if you're a Microsoft partner and you need that extra help of getting your team on the team's bandwagon, ecosystem, et cetera, uh, there's contacts there to reach out and I can talk about that. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to go sign up for this. And Tom, really appreciate your time. It's great catching up as always. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, real pleasure. Thanks for having me on the pod. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.